Welcome back, everybody. It's the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast, episode number 88. We're coming to you after the 2020 Spanish Grand Prix. Joined again by Tyler McDonald via Skype. Tyler, thanks for coming on again. No, thank you. Should be a fun one. Um, it wasn't really a fun race, uh, but uh, other than that, uh, it should be at least a fun show we'll give you guys. Yeah, it's a little bit, uh, it's a couple days later. I mean, we did take a couple days off after uh, the triple header. And there, yeah, like you said, there wasn't really much of a rush to get in this race recap just because there wasn't much of an exciting race to talk about. But like you said, we're going to try and make it entertaining because there are a couple of entertaining parts of the race that I do want to bring in. Um, Before we get on to the race uh, stuff, let's do a a soccer jersey update. We talked about this last week, and I did remember to do it uh, this week. So I've got my, uh, my Man United jersey on. If you're wondering about the player... It is one of the greatest players ever, Mr. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, that I'm nice. wearing on the back. Um, and I see uh, that you're wearing, you're repping the race. That's right, I'm repping the race. I got the boring Spain jersey on. So, uh, <laughs> it's Spain jersey from the last World Cup. And, uh, yeah, and a little bit of red. It's a nice uh, It's a nice kit, though. It's nice and simple. I think it's it's good. Yeah, it does look really good. I thought it was a, a Liverpool one at first when it came on. <laughs> no, I, you'll never catch me wearing one of those. <laughs> That's ever. what I thought. Never. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Yeah, like I said, when uh, when we get back to uh, the regular studio with uh, with Shaker Roll, we'll all bring our own. I know he's got a couple jerseys uh, at home That's as well. Right. Um, all right, so let's uh, so let's get into the race. I mean, um, I've I've kind of made some notes here. Uh, I, I kind of start off with maybe just general race thoughts, but we sort of covered that off the top. Um, you know, I had high hopes going into the race, and we kind of got uh, a typical Spanish Grand Prix, uh, difficult to overtake. I mean, there w- there was overtakes, but there wasn't, uh, you know, drama and there wasn't many uh, crazy on-track battles. We really only saw the on-track battles afterwards in, in the top 10 onboards. Um, but nevertheless, I just wanted to talk uh, start of the race. Lance Stroll start, uh, basically going P4, or did he start, I think, uh, P5? P5, yeah. Yeah, P5 to P3 into the first corner. It was uh, probably one of his best starts of his career. Yeah, very bold, and uh, as uh, Otmar Stamfauer said... Uh, it was all uh, intuitive. He just, it wasn't planned at all um, to, to go onto the inside. It was just all instinct for Lance Stroll. So he showed some very good racecraft there to pop his way up to P3. And we knew he wasn't going to hold that with Bottas right behind him. Um, but he did a very good job to keep Bottas back for what seemed like four or five laps, I, I would think. And that really hampered Bottas's race uh, at the start to try and catch up and challenge Lewis Hamilton. And uh, really solidified Bottas as a, a P3 for that race. And uh, it all has to do to Bottas' start. Didn't get there. You know, the, the second stage of his start wasn't great. And uh, he was worrying about Max Verstappen on the outside and kind of lost track of Lance Stroll on the inside. And he hopped in. Yeah, exactly. It was still brilliant, though. And the fact that, I mean, I think he went a solid three, four laps, keeping mm-hmm. Valtteri behind him. So it wasn't, uh, it, it was a good performance by him. And then. <clears throat> excuse me, eventually uh, came home fourth and fifth uh, for Racing Point, which was good. So, yeah, Valtteri's been really struggling with starts this year, going back to Hungary and now this race again. And luckily for him, it well, I guess not luckily because he did lose the second place to Max Verstappen. So, um, you know, I think that the starts are really going to be something that he has to work on going into the next couple of races and the upcoming triple header. But like you mentioned, yeah, it's like in that first stage of the start or whether it is the second stage, it's just he's losing so much. Yeah, he is. And I, it's... I don't know what it is, whether he has to um, kind of redo his clutch, find the right bite point uh, on the steering wheel um, to, to reduce the wheel spin that he's getting. But, um, yeah, it's it's not ideal for Valtteri because 
if he's not qualifying first, we, we kind of need him to pass Hamilton on uh, the front stretch to, to get up to P1 and make the race interesting. Yeah, exactly. And he even admitted himself after the race that championship is kind of slipping away, which is, I mean, we knew it, but it was really kind of sad to hear it officially from, from Valtteri. So it's not over yet, but I mean, we kind of, we all really know what's, what's going on here. So uh, we'll get to Mercedes a little bit more uh, toward the end of the show. But uh, I wanted to touch on, on Red Bull. Um, interesting race for them. I, I, again, in the preview, I talked about how they could be in with a good chance because of the whole uh, hot temperatures, tire situation. And then Mercedes kind of, I guess, surprisingly, but unsurprisingly, figured out their issues and, and managed the race beautifully. Uh, but still, I think Verstappen, a, a P2, very good finish, split both Mercedes. But I was going to ask you, what did you think, or first of all, did you hear Max's radio message between him and GP? Uh, Max basically telling them, you know, let's focus on our race, forget about them. And then GP basically telling him, keep your head down, Max, which was code word for shut up and drive. <laughs> I, I did see a, a glimpse of that. I don't remember the full conversation, um, but uh, I mean, Maxi last week was talking about uh, drinking water and making sure you're hydrated. So uh, that's right, beat the heat, stay hydrated, says Max says. But uh, you know, I, I think Max uh, did nothing wrong there. Uh, he's trying to tell his team to focus on their own race and not worry about Mercedes, and maybe they. You know, we're worrying a little too much about them. I think Max knew that the race win was out of question. It was trying to get P2 to split them. And uh, nothing wrong with the banter back and forth for team to driver, I don't think. Yeah, I was okay with it. Um, I saw most people on, on social media had the same reaction. And um, and just maybe to fill in the context, we could play a little bit of uh, uh, the radio for, for the viewers when, uh, when I get into editing. So obviously we're nowhere near undercut race to Lewis, so control the peaks early on. I'll keep you posted on Bottas this time. Yeah, but how about we just focus on our race first, yeah? Instead of looking for Lewis. Because clearly on the soft tire we were not as fast as them. So we just make sure we do our job and let them do their job. Have you seen the two cars behind you, mate? Yeah, they're slow. Get your head down, Max, please. It was basically that, that same conversation that they had that Max wanted to focus on his own race. But what was funny is that they didn't air this on the broadcast. And I found this on YouTube afterwards that <laughs> after Max's message of, you know, let's focus on ourselves, forget about Mercedes, GP gets on the radio and he's like, uh, do you see the two cars behind you, mate? And Max is like, yeah, they're really slow. <laughs> and if, you don't, if people don't remember at the time, it was Valtteri behind him and then Lance Stroll. So... Uh, he was not concerned at all with the with the pressure from behind, so I like it. And you you saw like in comparison to Ferrari, which we're going to get to in a little bit, the relationship between driver and engineer is a very positive one, a very healthy one, and that's what a, a championship team looks like. Yeah, that's what you need, especially when you have well, you mentioned Ferrari, you know, with Sebastian, and you know, basically want to strangle each other. It seems like on the radio half the time. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I, I guess we could just get into that now. Yeah, um, why not? If, if we touched on Red Bull enough, but, oh, man. Um, yeah, I, it was a good race for him, I guess. It, Very good race. He was the driver of the day, in my opinion, the fans' opinion. Um, to, to pull off the one-stop when uh, not a lot of people thought he could. Um, and to, to be, you know, what did he finish? P7? P7? Seven. Seven? Yeah. yeah. Um, which is his best finish of the year, I believe. Um, I or did you have one in his uh, first, P6 first race in Hungary? All oh, right, that's right. But pretty close. Um, yeah. It's been the, the the best highlight of the last month and a bit for Seb. 
Um, so no, I, I thought it was great by Sebastian, um, basically calling his own card, and you can tell how upset he was when they said, you know, can you go to the end on this set of tires? And he's like, well, like I I asked you guys if we were doing a one stop, and you said we don't know. Now you're doing it. Like, I would have preserved the tires better. So that's what saw him kind of fall back a little bit. I mean, he probably could have got P6. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, if he would have taken care of the, the tires properly, but he didn't know it was his team that was kind of screwing him, um, which is unfortunate because you think Ferrari with Charles out, all your focus is on Seb. You only have one car to worry about, and they're still kind of screwing that up. So it's uh, pretty unfortunate for Seb. It's like when a when a parent like asks a child like oh like you hungry right now I'm making something and they're like no and then they come twenty minutes later and they're like I'm hungry they're like god damn like you should have told me when I was cooking so it was like a similar situation when he's like well you should have told me before I was pushing for you know three four laps and taking however many life out of the tires but you did thirty seven laps on the soft compound yeah more than probably said that it was able to do so it's impressive yeah, yeah it was ridiculous so. Yeah, and I mean, the radio messages, obviously, everybody was able to hear during the broadcast. And then, um, you know, on YouTube, you can find the extended ones as well. And during even qualifying, too, he was radio silent on the radio. There's not too much communication. And I don't know what it is with the Ferrari engineers, too. Like, I was just watching some, I wouldn't say old races uh, last night from 2018. And it's like, I, I just can't believe, like, where it's gotten to between Vettel and Ferrari in just such a short amount of time. But it's just a lack of communication, and it's just always like, yeah, okay, understood. Like even when Leclerc's engine failed, he's like, engine, just shut off, failed. They're like, copy. He's like, well, what should I do? Should I turn it on myself, or they're like, let me get back to you. And he's like, stuck in the middle of the track. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. The communication hasn't been there for Ferrari, and I wonder if there's going to be some sort of change in the off season of you know different team principals or whatever. Not team principals, sorry, uh, race engineers and and. Um, uh, race strategists that uh, flop ways with Ferrari, um, but uh, we'll see. I I want to. I know this is not on the topic of radio, but I just want to mention that Matteo Bonato uh, mentioned that the next step for Mick Schumacher will be an F1 race seat, um, which is very interesting because there's Cameron Eilat and Robert Schwartzman in F2 who have been two of the best drivers in F2, both Ferrari Academy drivers and are ahead of Mick Schumacher in the standings. Um, so, I mean, I could see Schwartzman's a rookie, um, so I could see him, if he doesn't win the championship this year, staying one more year in F2. Uh, but Cameron Eilat deserves a seat, in, in my opinion, uh, over Mick Schumacher. Obviously, Schumacher comes with more sponsorship. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what if there's seats available for them. You know, is Kimi retiring? Can you get the slot one at Alpha and maybe one at Haas until... Uh, Tell Haas to pick one driver and can the other. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting. That's the the Ferrari situation for next year in terms of their driver academy. But they got a lot of potential down in F2. Like three solid drivers in Schumacher, Schwartzman, and Eilat. Yeah. I, I got an idea who to can at Haas. I, it's in my notes. I'll get to it later. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I, have been, uh, I haven't been following F2 as closely as I did last year, but... You're right, uh, you know, Schwartzman's been having a really good season. And those two better than, than Schumacher. Obviously, you know, he's the bigger name, and, and we all want to see him in F1. But I think it's just going to take some time. There's no rush for him. He's still incredibly young. Um, and so maybe even another year in F2, and then, like you said, one of those Ferrari B teams will be able to bring him in. Um, you know, Alfa Romeo's been linked with Nico Hulkenberg with his relationship with Fred Vasseur. So that would, that would be a good fit for, for Alfa Romeo, I think. 
As I said last week, it looks like Kimmy is most likely done at the end of this season. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, I think Ferrari's got a pretty pretty promising young driver lineup. Now they just need to bring the team all together and able to be able to give those guys a, a decent car. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and as I mentioned, uh, every time we talk about the driver market, we need more, more teams. teams in F1 <laughs> to, to support all these drivers because there's too many drivers that aren't aren't going to be able to have a seat especially with the young talent coming up yeah exactly you know it's funny you mentioned oh, you're talking about kimmy i had this like weird dream a couple nights ago where it was a spanish grand prix and somehow kimmy was leading the race in the alfa romeo but like as he got to the final corner he spun oh. but then like the two mercedes passed him but then one of the mercedes spun as well but he still ended up on the podium anyways it was a weird one maybe that's a wild race let's hope that actually happens that's <laughs> yeah. fun yeah, I don't know how an Alfa Romeo got into a podium place, but um, yeah, anyways, that was, a, that was a strange one. But yeah, it should be interesting what happens with, uh, with those young drivers coming up. Um, okay, well, let's talk, about, uh, let's talk about Haas because it's on my mind, so I, I wanted to get to it. And last week we talked about Romain Grosjean, or yeah, no, I think it was last week uh, before, after the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. And we were mentioning about his uh, his hot button radio messages about any time a driver gets close to him and he's immediately and he did it again. <laughs> I don't know I don't know if you saw this, but it was I noticed it in the top ten onboards, Giovinazzi the battle that they had I think it was turn one and then turn two, Giovinazzi pulled off just a fine move racing move completely within the limits. Grosjean like barely went off track, barely oh, yeah. they didn't even touch and Grosjean's on the radio like oh man mate mate he hit me off the track. He's honestly like I've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's a great driver. He's been on the podiums, but he's really starting to piss me off as of late. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, I think he was like I swear he was doing that like for the banter. Like he was just doing it to be like watch him freak to, out yeah. of this because uh, it was yeah it wasn't even close. He wasn't even he was had like two wheels off the track. I was like what? So yeah, yeah he has to be doing it on purpose just to screw with people. Now I, I mean I think it's hilarious if he is doing it that way. I hope he is because if he's genuine, then like he needs to immediately resign as president of the Grand Prix Drivers Association because he does that, and then he almost kills Kimi Raikkonen down on turn one when he swerves in his way. It's like, what are you doing, man? Yeah, yeah, no, it's. Uh, I, I still can't believe he's the president of the Grand Prix Drive. Like, I think that's the biggest <laughs> meme of 2020 right now. <laughs> it definitely has to be. Oh my God! Just imagine, like, imagine those meetings there. Kimmy involved and like Ricardo the battle he had afterwards and what popped in my mind too was because <clears throat> I wanted to make a note on uh, Leclerc's seatbelt uh, thing uh, just remind me to get to that afterwards mm. what reminded me when that happened I immediately thought of Grosjean in 2017 when they were in that driver's meeting and he's like <laughs> Charlie can you undo the belts or not <laughs> <laughs> that's the first thing I thought of yeah yeah but a simple question Charlie uh, yes or no I mean can you undo them or no <laughs> no okay <laughs> And then, but like, Hamilton was... <laughs> yeah, he like threw Hamilton. him under the bus and Hamilton's like, like why do you care? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that, <clears throat> excuse me, if if he's being serious, and, and I hope I hope you're right, I hope that he's just feeding into the, the banter and the memes, but if he's serious, man, like somebody needs to sit him down and be like, okay, look, just because somebody gets close to you, you know, doesn't mean... That, I mean, I don't know if you saw when Raikkonen and George Russell um, had their little battle going into turn two, and Raikkonen had, like, a huge lick of oversteer and almost ran into the side of him. If that was Grosjean, he would have had a stroke in the car. <laughs> he he, he would have pulled the car over and got out and just, like, threw his hands up in the air. So, 
it's like man that like it's one thing to to be you know like legit dangerous driving but it's another thing when somebody just goes wheel to wheel like that's what we want so i i just i hate these drivers where they complain about sometimes like oh like they don't let us race and then when they do let you race you're immediately on the radio talking about black flags and report this to the steward so yeah he's just been getting on my nerves lately <laughs> that's fair I, I don't blame you <laughs> yeah um okay so Speaking of uh, a Charles Leclerc seatbelt issue, and I'm not sure that many people maybe noticed uh, or picked up on this, but apparently when he was trying to restart his engine or whatever he was doing, somehow his seatbelts became undone, which I'm not really sure how it happened because I, I would assume that he's just uh, you know trying to do some switches on the steering wheel. But anyways, they came undone, and then he drove, I think, about a lap and a half or so without undone seatbelts, and no penalty came you know, during the race or even after the race. And a lot of people online actually were, were saying that, you know, this was a really dangerous maneuver. He should be even getting a race ban. So what did you think of that whole incident? Or did you even pick up on it? I, I did pick up on it. A race ban's a little aggressive. Um, I, maybe I, what I would do is be a, a fine for Ferrari and a reprimand on the super license for, uh, for Charles Leclerc, uh, which really doesn't mean anything. Um, but it shows that they acknowledged it um but uh i'm sure it'll be brought up at the uh the meeting for the f1 drivers committee there and roman will take care of it <laughs> i'm sure he will <laughs> but uh um yeah well i it, it was it's very dangerous uh don't get me wrong especially when you're going full tilts on and after the race thing uh but he did come in and they retired the car so i mean i guess there's that i don't know yeah i i don't know i, I haven't uh, granted i haven't looked at the regulation um but anyways i just noticed that you know when i was looking on twitter uh, after the race and then the days to follow that you know a lot of people were actually bringing this up and and you know some people were even demanding a race ban which i agree i think it's a little excessive i haven't looked at the rules and, and what the rules state uh, itself maybe that is uh, a, a fair punishment according to the regulations but at the end of the day, I think, like you said, I think maybe a fine or something. But I was just surprised that nothing really came of it, no investigation. Maybe they just felt really bad for Ferrari that day and just said, you know, leave it alone. They, they got a P7 finish. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see if they're going to make any mention of it in the next driver's briefing. I, uh, I'm currently looking at a driver's guide to safe motorsport on the <laughs> FIA site. Um, so I will I'll try to find that in two seconds just to see. Um, if there is anything that might be like a hundred page document <laughs> it's 25 surprisingly really okay yeah i know who thought uh nothing on there though so i'm gonna fire the fia standard 8854-98 which is safety harness updated in 2012 um regulation geez they don't make this hard to find yeah, or they make sorry, they make it hard to get to because it isn't really working. Um, yeah, I don't, maybe if uh, somebody finds it and drops maybe. it in the comments below the exact uh, legislation or whatever it is. Yeah, those documents are super confusing because they have like those section eight point three yeah, B C. The FIA website sucks. <laughs> yeah, um, so that's not good either. So yeah, yeah. so if anyone finds that uh, and gets the regulation, please drop it in the comments below so we can all kind of have a clearer view of it because uh, I don't have the time to find it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but uh, no penalty as of right now. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that, that was uh, that was interesting. 
Maybe we'll um, get uh, Rhino losing their minds in the old uh, protest. Well, maybe not because now they're best friends because Ferrari also protested racing points. So, well, yeah, well, you know they're true. trying to stick together. But, that's true. Yeah, interesting times. Um, I mean, other than that, that those really were my only uh, race notes. I don't know if you had any other thing from the Spanish Grand Prix to add. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, surprisingly, um, McLaren uh, struggling as of late, uh, especially Carlos Sainz um, hasn't really been up to what we saw him at the start of the season um do you think that's a concern for mclaren because you know they're in that fight for you know third fourth fifth you know that whole area um is it a concern for them that they maybe haven't been performing as well as we saw at the beginning of the year or is it just kind of a minor blip do you think i think it's a minor blip and i touched about it a little bit in uh, my five thoughts after the race that it was probably one of Carlos's better races of the year. And even though it was a quiet race, I, I put him driver of the day. Um, and it was a close one between him him and Vettel because I, I do agree Vettel uh, did a really good race. But I think it's it's more just a blip. It, it hasn't been as good as last season. I mean, if you remember last season, his race pace was always what was really good. Mm-hmm. And now he's even been struggling with that. But on the same time, it's been sort of, you know, kind of unfortunate strategy calls, slow pit stops, those types of things that have lost him, you know, one or two positions. And it's actually been Lando Norris who's been the more consistent and been, you know, getting the bigger results. So I, I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. They put in a new power unit, which helped a lot. So I think that it really just maybe this race was the one that he needed just to get a good finish under his belt. And then, uh, you know, going into the next triple header, it should be a, a much better for them. But, you know, McLaren are still sitting pretty good in the championship. But, you know, with Racing Point now kind of past this whole protest they've got their fine they've pretty much got their points back now from from the penalty i think it is uh mclaren to step up a little bit if they want to secure fourth no that's a good point i was just curious on your thoughts on on mclaren because uh they they have been a little disappointing as of late yeah um i would like them to kind of be up there a little higher with you know fighting with racing point um but at the same time and uh, could be just a a couple race struggle and we'll see what they do for the next triple header yeah, yeah, totally agree there. So I, I think they'll be okay. Um, but that that battle for fourth, fifth, and, and sixth, you throw Reno in there as well, should be should be pretty good as we head. Well, toward, even uh, third, even third. Ferrari, yeah. Ferrari's in third right now. I almost forgot. <laughs> yeah, I know. Who'd have thought? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They so. squeaks, keep squeaking out results here and there. Yeah, I think that luck will eventually run out for them though. So. Well, you think? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, my final uh, a note that I had, and it's not really relating to the race, but although it made news after the race, I think heading into the Spanish Grand Prix, they were talking about a quali mode ban starting from mm. next season, and then all of a sudden they pushed that forward and said from Spa onwards they're going to introduce these quali bans. So, um, yeah, I'm going to get your thoughts on it first. And first of all, do you think it's going to help anything? Because, you know, it's made to... I mean, really, for being honest, it's made to limit Mercedes's advantages in qualifying because their qualifying advantage is pretty much almost larger than it was if we're going back to 2014 and 2015. It's you know 1.2 seconds faster than the next car behind, which is Red Bull. So essentially, this is to limit their um, competitive advantage in qualifying because that's really been where they've been able to stretch their legs a lot. So do you really think that this is going to do anything to help? Uh, I think it will short term. Um, I think you'll see Mercedes go from you know, one one second ahead to five tenths ahead, um, which you know doesn't really solve the issue. I guess it's a little bit better. Um, do I think Mercedes will find a 
wrap around or uh, a loophole through this, absolutely. Uh, and they'll still go you know, 1.2 seconds faster than everyone. But I like the idea. Um, I, I like the idea of pushing it there. They realize that the season is, you know, hanging in the balance. There's not much uh, to look forward to for the championship. So, like, you know what? Let's throw this in there. So I don't mind. I, I don't mind them throwing it early into to Spa, and I hope it makes a big difference. Uh, at least the first few races to help these other teams try and be a little bit closer and make it look a little less, you know, Mercedes and everyone else because uh, F1 needs that. It's not good for the sport uh, for Mercedes to dominate. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I I think that my initial reaction was yeah, okay, I I get why they're doing it and realistically this is the FIA's job I mean they did it when Ferrari was dominating they always tried to throw different things at them to, to slow down their their stranglehold on the sport so in a way it is their job to you know breach the competitive level between the teams um, I, I honestly just don't think that this one is going to work because yes Mercedes quality mode advantage will be gone but so will all the other teams as well so if you look at the power unit advantages that Honda has made in the last couple of years to the point where now they're the second fastest engine on the grid and they're able to use that quality mode as well you know now that's going to be gone for them so i'm not sure how much you know extra they have in reserve but now that advantage is gone for them so we could maybe even see the same gap maintained between mercedes and red bull maybe not maybe i'm wrong on that um some of the other teams like alfa romeo said flat out like we don't even really have a quality mode so to them it's not going to be much of an effect but the other thing that we have to think about as well is that Without quality modes now, so if you look at Mercedes, they probably really only use their party mode Strat 2 engine, I would say maybe for three laps of quality. Mm -hmm. If we're thinking, you know, two laps in Q2, or I'd probably say like one lap in Q2 and then two in Q3. Um, you know, Q1, they can easily get by on a smaller engine mode. But now that they're not having to use that, they can save probably an extra 15 to 20 laps of that mode for the race because they're not going to be using all of that and putting stress on the engine. Oh, I thought it was banned in the race as well. I, th I think it's banned in the race, but they can still turn up the engine oh, to I a see. higher setting, right? So, yeah, I'm thinking of it in terms of that because in the race, like, they don't want to turn the engine up to a higher setting. It might not be that qualifying mode. Um, it just might be a higher energy deployment. Uh, it might be just something that burns a little more fuel, but they're able to maybe turn that up for an extra couple of laps because now they don't have to use it in qualifying. So... I even Total Wolf, I think, came out and said that, like, you know what, this might actually be better for us because we don't have to worry about using it in qualifying. We can just save it for the race. And the race is where you can argue that they're actually a little bit closer than in qualifying. Yeah, I mean, if he was looking at it, he didn't really need to use it in qualifying in the first place. So, yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess he just wanted to prove a point. Um, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, hopefully it brings everything a little closer. I mean, it's all we can hope for because we're... I think everyone's tired. Like, we obviously... Ferrari had their dominance, Red Bull had their four years, and now, you know, Mercedes have had their six, but um, six is a little too much. I mean, this is what kind of drives people away from the sport, right? You, know, yeah. you want it always to be a question of who's going to win the race, you know, every race. It's not going to be, you know, okay, well, it's most likely going to be Mercedes, one of their two drivers, and they know that's it. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, not ideal. Yeah, and... and you know, it's it's seventh year essentially because yeah, that's I mean, right. if, if we're being honest, it, it's it's no chance that any. I mean, there is a chance that that Max could, uh, you know, put on some sort of challenge, but realistically, it's going to be Hamilton unless reliability gets in the way or he starts crashing into people. So it's going to be seven years. Uh, constructors is 
most likely done as well. So, um, you know, I, I hate to be pessimistic in that regard, but I had little hopes that, okay, maybe, maybe the 70th anniversary Grand Prix was the start of something, but, you know, I was cautiously optimistic and eventually I was right because Spanish Grand Prix again. Um, but uh, this has been on my mind since a couple of weeks ago, actually, since we started to see what the, what the form of the season was going to end up. When you think back to, to 2018, because we started our show in 2018, what a season that was. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just, just to start our, our whole channel on that season was brilliant, but I've been reviewing it the last couple of days and weeks and looking at old races. And I remember that season is like, every time you turned up to watch the qualifying session, you had no idea who was going to be on pole, on pole. You had six cars from three different teams that could hypothetically be on pole. And then when you got into the race, like I was looking yesterday, we rewatched the Canadian Grand Prix from 2018. You look at the top six, Vettel, Hamilton, Raikkonen, Bottas, Verstappen, Ricardo, all in race winning cars going back and forth against each other. And then Kimi won a race and, and Daniel won a race and Max won a race eventually. And then obviously Vettel and, uh, and Hamilton's championship battle. So I just think back to that and go, why the hell did the FIA change the regulations for 2019? If we would have just kept those same cars, I mean, we could have probably gotten some classic championships up until the big changes in 2022. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, that, yeah, that is. That was a great season. Yeah, um, you know, Vettel bottling it at the end of the season and whatever. But uh, yeah, no, that'd be great if uh, if everything would have stayed the same. It's unfortunate. Even last year, we had some sort of it wasn't too bad with Ferrari's illegal engine. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, this year it seems like it's not even close, and that's the the big struggle. I mean, it, this reminds me of almost like 2014, 2015 dominance. Yeah. Yeah, and you know we we try and and keep it entertaining and you know, hoping that there's going to be entertaining races, but it's just the problem is is that when you know that the championship is essentially over, and you know that it's really just between the same team and and the same car, it's boring. And it's not a Mercedes thing. Like this isn't to to bash Mercedes. Like you said before, no. you could you, you could plug in Red Bull, you could plug in Ferrari during their years of dominance. It's like we just we want to see competition. Yeah, exactly it. So yeah, it's 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 a problem. Um, but I don't know. It's next year's probably gonna end up being the same as well. So uh, I guess we're just gonna have to be patient and hope for classic races like we got in 2019. Yeah, hope for a, a couple of rain races. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> Throw some rain nice. in there. Yeah, at at the very least, we are going to some exciting tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, as we look ahead in this triple header, we got some new tracks. Yeah, yeah, Spa, going to Monza, and then Mugello, um, and then afterwards going to Portugal, and I think uh, possibly Imola. Russia's you, in there. Yeah, Russia's in there as well. And you were talking about, uh, just before we got on the air, that uh, Turkey's possibly going to be added to the calendar um, to sort of wrap up uh, a 17-18 race calendar season. So at the very least, we're going to tracks that we haven't been to in a while or that we've just never been to at all. Mm-hmm. No, it'll be interesting. Hopefully that gives some sort of, um, I guess... Uh, positive end to the season you know some yeah. some other maybe they realize oh wait there's a bunch of tracks we can go to and we're going to extend the season to 25 races or whatever <laughs> yeah, you know who knows yeah yeah for sure um okay well i guess i guess that really does it for the spanish grand prix i don't know if you had anything to add or, or any other uh f1 related news that you had uh no nothing as of yet i'm sure something will break after we release this <laughs> yeah oh the only final point that i had was uh and i'll, I'll touch on this on the preview a little bit next week uh, all 10 teams have re-signed the Concord Agreement, so mm. until 2025, all 10 teams are locked in, which is good Good news. Is it 2025? That's how long it is? Yeah, it's, it's, I thought it was longer. I thought it was like a seven-year thing, but um, yeah, 2025, it's, what is that, four years-ish? Yeah, it's longer than I thought it was. 
Oh, yeah? You thought it was shorter? I thought it was shorter. I thought it was only two, three years. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, I don't really pay much attention to Concord Agreement. So but that's yeah. huge because uh, I wasn't sure if, what Haas was going to do. Um, yeah. So it's good that they're staying. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy for them as well. And uh, Ferrari as well, too. I mean, I know they're never going to probably, <clears throat> excuse me, they're probably never going to leave. But, you know, they were always uh, kind of floating that idea out in the media. Uh, maybe just as a bargaining chip, but all 10 teams were able to agree. So, uh, yeah, that's that's good news for, from that standpoint. Bring more teams in. Find Bring a way teams. to get more teams in. Like, it's yeah. crazy. Get yeah. more teams in the sport. That budget cap hopefully will help will help us out with that, but we need, we need more teams for sure. Like, even if it's, you know, they're not works teams. Like, just bring some teams in. I don't know. Anyways, yeah. Ball yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it uh, for this podcast and, and this edition of the Spanish Grand Prix Review. Um, yeah, like I said, a couple days later, but, um, you know, uh, after the triple header, you want to take a little bit of time off, and then, you know, with the race being the way it was, um, it wasn't like you were, uh, how should I say it nicely? <laughs> it wasn't It wasn't like you were kind of chomping at the bit to talk about the race. So, yeah. um, you know, we just waited a couple of days mm-hmm. and wanted to just do a more relaxed banter-like episode um it seems like shakers work schedule is all uh, sort of back to normal so i think we'll maybe try and connect uh, next week and do uh just some sort of podcast maybe just to catch up with him see what he's been doing and then uh, look ahead to the next uh, a triple header because that's coming up next week yeah should be fun more racing right around the corner yeah yeah for sure i just wanted to give a, a quick shout out actually because I, I was pointing to uh the max verstappen artwork um, just a couple of minutes ago i just wanted to give a shout out to uh to the artist who did that um follow them on twitter um, you can also go to uh, redbubble.com. It's where uh, I actually bought this poster print. I've got a couple stickers on the way as well. It's a great website. Um, if you go there, you can pretty much get anything. You can get pillows, you can get stickers, you can get workbooks, t-shirts, anything. And it's a, a relatively uh, cheap price as well. And quality is really good. Like this uh, poster print, I got it for $8, $8 Canadian. And uh, the poster print is excellent quality. It's got a nice little laminate to it. And uh, of course, the artwork is fantastic. So um, you know, I'm not sure if the artists, they probably get some sort of a, a little bit of a cut from the, the purchases, but uh, I just thought it was a really unique little poster. So uh, shout out to uh, to them for creating that. Perfect. Looks good. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, thanks again. Appreciate uh, your time. I know uh, you got a busy day. You got to get to your work and uh, do your thing. So I appreciate you coming on and uh, we'll reconnect then uh, for next week. Sounds good. We'll see you next week. Should be a fun little uh, week. Hopefully some, some fun news comes out to, yeah. to give us something to talk about next week. Yeah, absolutely. Alright guys, thanks so much again for joining us and uh, yeah, we'll see you next week for the preview for the Belgian Grand Prix. Take care. <laughs>